Tanya for the 10th of Tevis was first a story. The day before Rabbi Shol of Rushin became by mitzvah, his father called him in and his father asked him, he said, tomorrow is a very important day. Do you know that you're going to have a special guest who's going to join you? Um, do you know who that guest is? And, and, he, and he said, make sure you receive him in a, in a, in a, in a, in a respectful, cordial way as befits a guest of this standing. And the idea basically is that when a person turns by mitzvah, they, they get the God, the God of the soul joins them. So the young boy, the 13 year old young Yisrael, who was later on to become the famous Rushen Ereba, the Yisrael of Rushen, he told his father, he says, I know good well that tomorrow the, 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 good inclination, the godly soul is going to be joining me. He said, I made the preparation for his arrival many years ago because I told the animalistic soul, the evil inclination who was going to join me, this, that I told him, I said, you and the good inclination are both partners in the heart. You're, you're equal partners. Now, the animalistic soul we know joins the person as soon as he's born and the godly soul only joins when he's 13. So, this young Yisrael, he told his father, I told my animalistic soul, it's not going to be fair if, if, if the, the animalistic soul is the only one hanging around and the godly soul isn't here yet. So I told him, you know what? When the godly soul comes, you could join as well. But until then, you both wait outside and then you're both joined together. So he says, in this way, now I'm turning 13 years old, I'm going to greet them both together. Chapter 9 begins this incredible discussion of the animalistic and godly soul, and their battleground, which is the person's body. And we're going to discuss that at great length today. But so far, what we discussed is the, the base locations of these two souls. The animalistic soul, and notice al started off with describing that, which might be the same idea of, you know, the order with which they join the person. The animalistic soul is in the left side of the heart, the part that pumps the blood to the rest of the body. The godly soul has two locations, firstly the brain, and secondly the right side of the heart. And now today we're going to discuss the battle. We're going to move rather quick because it's a very long tanya. About Yaakov and Esau, it was predicted that it wouldn't be that they would both would be powerful children and have powerful descendants. It was predicted that when one was strong... The other one would be weak and vice versa. They couldn't both be weak. They couldn't both be strong. They, one or the other had to be strong and the other one had to be weak. Says al the same thing exists with the animalistic and godly. So they can't both have domain and, and control over the body. But rather, when one is strong, the other is weak and vice versa. The body is called a small city. In the olden days when quarter wasn't given and there was no Geneva Convention, when a king came to a city, he would do whatever it took to gain absolute control of the city. There was no such thing as rights or um, freedom of speech. The king took control and meant absolutely everything was subservient to him. And if it wasn't, it would be killed or it would be removed. There was no, there was no quarter given. So when a king is going, waging war to conquer a city, it, it will do whatever it takes to take absolute con- complete control. And he wants to make sure that every single decree applies to every single part, person within this city and there's absolutely no room for mitigation, no room for, for any exception to be made. Kach so too, says Al-Tarebbe, is the way 
with our souls. And this this example actually comes from the Gemara. The godly soul and the vitalizing animal soul are having control over our, are having a waging a war over our body and they want to control it. Now, of course, they have entirely different objectives, and only one of them can actually be in charge. What's the objective of the godly soul? She'ele kiss. The godly soul kefster the son she shetai he lavada mishelas alavam and he got and when the god say people imagine the godly soul to be some docile, soft-spoken, um, you know, voice in the head. No, the godly soul is a powerful king that has only one objective: connect to God. And when it what it wants to do is to make the body, with no exception, absolutely connected to God, with ex- fully expressing what the godly soul what the godly soul wants. And it wants all the limbs of the body to be absolutely nullified to him. And to be like a chariot to her, to the godly soul. The godly soul does not want a single element of the body to be anything but anything but a chariot to Express godliness. And it wants that the three garments of the soul, thought, speech, and action, and all the limbs of the body to be a full and complete and perfect expression of the of godliness. And the body only contains the godly soul. And the godly soul doesn't accept that there'll be any form of stranger or any form of foreign king, foreign influence inside the body. The godly soul also wants the intellectual processes, the thought, speech, not thought, the chachma, bina, and das, the three processes of intelligence. He wants this to be entirely dedicated to godliness. And as we already discussed the system with which intelligence um, lends and bleeds itself into emotions, when a person thinks about the greatness of God, he will start to feel things about the greatness of God. And like we explained, the three processes of intelligence inside of a person, the first two are just purely intellectual. The third one is intelligence, but to, pra- to, to actual practice, a person starts to feel a love and fear, which in turn will start to lead a person towards having all the, the entire spectrum of emotions that a person has within the capacity of the godly soul. Simply put, the godly soul's desire is that absolutely every element of the body is fully expressing the entire spectrum within the godly soul, as we discussed in the previous eight chapters. And also wants this love of, and this love based on intelligence, of course, but a love burning. He wants this to be expressed within the godly soul. So the godly soul wants that the that this brain powered part of the godly soul expresses itself into actual love and fear and the the seven emotional attributes and the right side of the heart should feel this love towards God. But now here's the thing: this is the catch. That's not good enough for the godly soul. Remember, the godly soul is a king, a real king that wants complete dominion. It's not enough for him to control the body and control the head and the, and the heart, which is the home base of the godly soul. It wants more. It also wants to control the, the, the location, the home base of the animalistic soul. It's not enough that the animalistic soul you know, doesn't express itself. But even the place where it chills out, where, where it is its home base, where it pumps blood to the rest of the body, that home base location has to be controlled by the godly soul. 
in the godly souls, you know, um, that narrative, let's call it. The godly soul wants animalistic soul to be converted to a godly soul as well. He, the Pasuk says, A person should serve Hashem with both your hearts. What does both your hearts mean? We only have one heart. The answer is the two forces within the heart, the godly soul in the right side of the heart. But also the animalistic soul. The godly soul doesn't want the, go- the animalistic soul to be crushed and disappear. It wants the animalistic soul to also serve God. Complete control. And it wants this, this love should, the, the animalistic urge and love that it naturally has towards ridiculous and nonsense things to be repurposed and re formatted to now be another tool in the in the arsenal of the godly soul to love god with this fiery powerful love we hear nikasakasavatanugi which is called a love of of delights not just thirsting towards god but enjoying the experience of the love of god which at the end of the time is going to be discussed at much more length enjoying hashem in like the oilam haba experience where you're Within godliness, and you're just enjoying that. And this love, of course, is based on a person's intellectual capacity. So the godly soul's water is this very powerful love. The animalistic um, soul power of water is a lust towards physicality like we said water gives sustenance to all physicality in this world and therefore that's what that's what the animalistic soul wants just go and enjoy yourself have a good time the godly soul godly soul says i don't want complete control of just the whole body i want also to control the animalistic's urges it's water-like element within the animalistic soul repurposing repurposing it towards being you know an asset to um the godly soul like we like it's written in Eitz Chaim in the name of the Zayah. It says that the wickedness could turn into pure good by taking off these garments. The point is that. The God, the animalistic soul is not something that should be ideally entirely crushed. That in the most optimum ideal situation, a person should utilize his godly soul to control his entire body and then to take over and repurpose and use that animalistic soul once the, the filthy garments are taken off and make it a, a, an asset. And so too, this is not just in regards to the lust and the, the pleasurable parts of the animalistic soul, but any part of the of the emotions of the heart, think you know, anger and and um, laziness and all of these types of negative emotions. All the emotions of the godly soul should be expressed, and all the emotions, as I understand, of the animalistic soul should be repurposed towards being an asset for the godly soul. And it's not just all the intellectual spectrum and the emotional spectrum and repurposing the, the, the animalistic soul, but even the faculty of speech and, and the faculty of, of, of um, thought. 
they should be fully dedicated towards God. He, that godly soul wants complete control. And we're explaining the godly soul side, and in a moment we're going to explain the, the counter side just by saying, well, the opposites in the animalistic soul. We'll get there. The thought, the speech, and the action should be entirely dedicated, dedicated to God. That's what the, animal, the godly soul wants. And it wants that the thoughts that would have been, you know, whatever the thoughts would have been, should be entirely dedicated to Tashem and his Torah. Mean thinking about Torah and speaking, speaking about Torah all day. In learning Torah all day is what the godly soul wants. It wants the body to be a full expression of the godly soul. And also the action. Any form of action that a person does, the godly soul wants to control the expression of that. And he wants that all three of his garments, the third one is as well, the action-oriented thing, so all the actions the person does is fully dedicated to expressing the godly soul. That's a full breakdown, a very fast breakdown, because he rushed through it rather quickly, of what the godly soul wants. He wants to control the body 100% absolutely. Even the home base of the animalistic soul should be fully controlled. And even the garments, the way that the the uh, the body expresses in thought, speech, and actions should be fully controlled by the godly soul, oriented to do only what God wants and what God desires. And now, the flip side. What about the, what does the animalistic soul want? The Hatshav doesn't go into details of what the animalistic soul wants. I understand that most people... Don't have a hard time relating and understanding what the animalistic soul wants. It wants to be selfish. It wants to do selfish motivated things and not godly motivated things. So the Altair doesn't have to explain that all that much. We understand good and well. He says, so the opposite is with the animalistic soul. And the person wants, um, but, and here's a catch. The catch is, even though we know what the animalistic soul wants, we're like, okay, well, we know the agenda. The interesting part about it is, that's not really the true agenda of the animalistic soul. And this is an incredible idea which you can't really dwell on. But the animalistic soul, in spite of the p- fact that its job is to throw those voices in your head and compel and convince and, and urge you to do things that are selfishly motivated and aren't purely for God like the, animalist, the godly soul wants. The real truth, if you dig deep enough, in the, even in the animalistic soul, the animalistic soul is going to tempt you and make it difficult for you, but it doesn't want you to fail. It actually wants you to pass the test and do exactly what God wants. So it will give you all those voices saying, do this, do that, which are negative things to do. But the real truth of the matter is, even it deep, deeply wants you to do the right thing. And the Altar gives there's an example of a harlot mentioned in the Zaya. And the Zaya brings this example and says there's a king who once wanted to test the fortitude and strength of his son. And so he took a harlot and, and told the harlot, listen, I want you to test my son, see how strong he is, see if he could, he could behave in an in a inappropriate way, if you could convince him. Now the harlot had to do what the king wanted, wanted her to do. So she made herself as seductive and as convincing and as 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 forceful as possible, but at the same time, deep down, she wanted the she wants the son, the prince, to pass the test and to repel her and to not fall into her traps. She has to do a proper job, so she does a proper job because otherwise the king will get upset. On the other hand, deep down, she doesn't want the son to listen. So the animalistic soul, in spite of the fact that it's very convincing and it wants us to be as selfish as possible because that's what Hashem wants it to do, deep down, even the animalistic soul wants us to connect to God and to ignore it and to rebuff it. Thank you so much for joining the Tanya. Thank you so much for joining.